Welcome into another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We meet Roz Davies of Barry, five years on from a double mastectomy. She opens up about her experience in the hope of helping others and their families to ride out the emotional and physical roller coaster that comes with it. Winter is coming. No time like the present to plan the tire changeover on your vehicle. We find out why you don't want to put it off. And we get caught up with the Barry Colts, who had a well, interesting couple of games last weekend. But first, another Accelerate Summit coming up next week, presented by Georgian College, the Barry Chamber of Commerce, and others. A chance to participate in business engagement opportunities to learn how to get ahead and keep your business ahead in a changing economy. Chris Cummins is the keynote speaker, much in demand for these kinds of conferences, bringing stories of adversity and human perseverance and offering business advice at times with a sense of humor. He sets up this year's summit with Barry 360's Will Conkin. The Accelerate Summit, what is it and what will you be doing there? We call it the Central Ontario's premier business event. I'd argue it's a, it's a place to go meet awesome entrepreneurs. And some are entrepreneurs who've cashed out, who then come back as investors, whether it's the angel investors or other. Uh, some of them are startups, but you know, a lot of the people at Accelerate Summit are looking for new ideas and looking for I would say to collide with really interesting people. But I'd also argue now is probably the time to start finding new ideas as the economy shifts and we start to realize some things that we're working don't work anymore. So let's go meet people who are innovating and, uh, and have cool, meaningful conversations with them. What are you trying to get personally out of the conference? What are you trying to give people? If Maybe if, if I'm unsure about going, what's my pull to be there? Right now, if your business is not humming or if you're concerned about the future of your industry, then you need to be there. The, the people that this attracts are the ones who are innovators who are doing really cool things. Uh, one of the reasons I love it is that I get to, I get to meet more like-minded people. And I was telling my friend the other day, sometimes we need to let our weirdo flag fly high so other weirdos know how to find us. And um, in this case, we, we need to go hang out with people who are also open-minded, who are looking for positive in the world, because the world needs more positive right now. With the state of the economy, it seems like you need to uh, pull at different strings and prod a bit more to get those explosive ideas for, for what's going to be coming in the future. Exactly. And, you know, there was a, you may have heard of it, there's what they call the Harvard Study of Adult Development for many years, I think it was 75 years and they noticed a correlation between uh, strong, positive relationships over and above family relationships uh, and sort of a feeling of success and well-being later in life. And uh, I've noticed in my life, when I make time to meet new people and build relationships, there's really no downside to that. With the Accelerate Summit, maybe give uh, a couple of things that are going on. Who are some of the other people that, uh, if uh, again, if I'm unsure about going, who are some people that I will be listening to? One of the things that um, you're going to get is is a sense of inspiration, right? You're going to start to see other people who are meeting with success, who are innovating as the markets start to change a little bit. So you get practical techniques, right? You'll get things that you can implement in your business, regardless of what industry. The other thing is you're going to have conversations with people outside of your industry to get some of their ideas. I know every year for the last 10 years, one of the big highlights is the president's panel. And that's where you have uh, founders of companies or people running organizations who are all sharing their 
I wouldn't say all of their best practices, but they're sharing their really cool ideas for innovation now. Do you ever find it hard? I know that uh, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's it's competitive, right? So do you ever find it's a hard line to be uh, collaborative with these other businesses and other people who want to succeed, but yet kind of have the ideas to your own, in a sense, to for you to succeed? Or is it kind of like a, everyone succeeds, everyone eats? Do I ever find it hard to share ideas with others in a competitive world? I would suggest in my early years, yes. I was very protective. This is my idea. I better not share it with anybody because what if they start competing with me? What I've learned later in my career is, my friend, the pie is big enough for all of us. It really is. And uh, there's that old adage, you know, the rising tide raises all boats. We we can help one another. And I've learned that um, when you give value to other people, they tend to remember it when you take from other people, they remember that as well. So if you make someone feel bad, they're going to remember you made them feel bad, and that's going to have ripple effects back on you. And, and the inverse is true as well. So if, if you make someone feel good and you give someone a cool idea and they leave every interaction with you having received more value than they had to give, you're known as a person of value. And opportunities come to people of value. And on the opposite, doors close for people who are uh, what one friend of mine calls net takers. You know, there's a, the idea of net giving. If every interaction I have with you, I get more value than I have to give, I'm going to want to talk to you more. I'm going to want you in my life more. The same thing in business. When you give value first, it tends to make you way more attractive to do business with and to network with. And then, you know, board opportunities show up. Doors open that you didn't even know were there. But if you're a net taker, if you're really protective of your intel, if you're protective of your ideas and you're, you don't want to share value, doors are, are quietly going to close for you. Is that what the whole uh, nut then basically of this Accelerate like Summit is? That's a great question. Um, I would say for me, when I go to a conference like this, my intention is to go make more friends. You know, one of my mentors taught me, gosh, 20 years ago, you know, he said, all things being equal, people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust, right, to people, with their friends. All things being not so equal, people still want to do business with their friends. So, so, so don't try to find more, you know, clothing techniques or, you know, bang people on the head and get them to do something that they don't want to do. Just go out every day and go make, go make more friends. So when you find yourself at Accelerate Conference, first of all, everyone has self-selected in. So there's already... Like a guarantee that you're going to meet interesting people because those who feel that the economy is going to tank and there's no opportunity anywhere, they're probably not going to attend. So it's those who are already positive and looking for opportunities who are going to attend. You know, one or two collisions at an event like this, even just a quick conversation, can lead to enormous growth in your business. That's why I love this kind of event. The Accelerate Summit happens October 25th to 26th at the Five Points Theatre in Georgian College, downtown campus. You can find out more information and a registration form at acceleratesummit.co. Time to start thinking about the semi-annual tire changeover. We're joined by Nadia Matos from CAA. Noticed a longer than usual lineup at one of those drive through oil and tire change shops the other day. Nadia, I suspect they weren't all there for an oil change, given the hints of winter we've had of late. 
you know, it is the season where the temperature starts to shift and change and we could be dealing with all sorts of weather conditions going on. Uh, as to what they're doing in line, I hope that some people are getting ready and getting their winter tires on and getting their vehicles and themselves ready for winter driving. Because we know, whether we like it or not, those uh, winter weather temperatures and conditions are coming. There is a debate every year about all-season tires, winter tires, that I don't need to get winter tires because the all-season will do, but that's not the case, is it? Well, what really, what motorists need to know is that all-season tires harden and they lose their ability to grip the way winter tires can. So whether there's snow on the ground or not, the temperatures just make your all-season tire less flexible. And it just doesn't have the same kind of stability and grip on a road that a winter tire does. It really does make a huge difference when you're handling on those corners, when you're braking. You know, uh, compared to all-season tires, winter tires can reduce your stopping distance by up to 25% or two car lengths, which could be the reason that prevents a collision, even if it's a minor fender bender. It is an investment. We recognize that for lots of people, winter tires. But if you consider how much a collision will cost you and the kind of impacts and the wear and tear on your vehicle and yourself, then it might be an investment worth making. And as you say, it's a a very important investment given uh, what's at stake. And it's just not only about the safety of uh, your vehicle, but it's also about the safety of yourself and your loved ones and the people around you. What's a good time to start thinking about this? Actually, probably a couple of weeks ago, but uh, people are going to leave this to the last minute because uh, they, they generally do. And then it's hard to get tires, number one, and then hard to find somebody to change them out for you. Yeah, we're finding that the global supply chain for tires is still a hit and miss. And so if you do need some winter tires, booking early is the best way to guarantee that you're going to get those winter tires. But we all know that mechanics uh, around the first few weeks of November are very busy getting those winter tires on. So really now is the time to get uh, at least, at the very least, an appointment to get your winter tires. But the optimal time to actually put on your winter tires is when the temperature reaches 7 degrees Celsius consistently for about a week. That is your signal, I need to get my winter tires on. But we're recommending don't wait for that temperature. Just go ahead and make the appointment with your mechanic or with CA's mobile tire clinic uh, right away. Chances are you may be getting an appointment a couple of weeks out anyway. It is a small window of time that you have to get your winter tires on. So it's going to be a busy season, but that's why we're kind of just telling everybody to don't leave it to the last minute. Be proactive. Get your vehicle and get your winter tires on. And people who have uh, insurance where they get a discount for uh, using winter tires should probably check their policy for dates that uh, that becomes effective and make sure that they're, they're, they're covered properly. They should, and not all insurances are created equal. So it's important to read your policy and make sure that you are getting or can get a, a discount for putting on winter tires. CA Insurance does give a 5% discount for anybody who has winter tires on. Generally, they like to see the winter tires on by November the 20th. So there you go. You have a window. It's about a month and a half left that you want to get your winter tires on. That said, we always get some snow before the middle of November. It might be just a light dusting. In fact, there was some up around uh, the Huntsville area and further north around North Bay last weekend. That uh, We have to be mindful of that as well and, and, and uh, adjust our driving accordingly. Of course. If 
you see snow, go slow. It's an easy kind of slogan to go in your head. You may not have, you know, your all se- your winter tires on. You may still have your all seasons on. So if you don't have them on just yet, then uh, make that appointment and drive according to the weather conditions. And the other thing we have to remember, and this is uh, new just in the last few years, I think, is after you've had your tires switched over, drive for about 100 kilometers, but go get the, the nuts retorqued again to make sure the, the wheels don't fall off. Especially if you're a home mechanic and you're doing it at home, super critical that you retorque things about your your tires about 100 to 150 kilometers uh, after driving. But also, if you're dealing with a mechanic, just pop back in and say, "Could I have these retorqued in a little while?" Perfect, Nadia. Thanks for the information. I suspect you've got lots more on uh, your website. We do. You can visit caafco.com and you will get all your information there. What Barry's talking about is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began last summer, learned about the speed cameras coming soon to the streets of Barry, heard from the Busby Center about its expansion plans to help ease the homeless situation in the city, and we met Nate Erskine-Smith, one of the candidates for the leadership of the Provincial Liberal Party. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on what Barry's talking about, last weekend, one of extremes for the Barry Colts, and we meet Roz Davies of Barry, a cancer survivor of five years. She gets emotional at times as she tells her story and makes it clear she's not done with life yet. Now this. It's cool to care. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling one 2 donate Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at PeggyHill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We uh, talked a couple of episodes ago about the raw and reflective calendar in support of Gilda's Club and Barry. Today, we meet one of the cancer survivors who is featured in the 2024 edition, Roz Davies of Barry. Welcome to the program. Thank you. It's an exclusive club that is invited or offers to take part in this calendar every year, but it's a club that, by virtue of the disease, we're all very close to. Yep. How did you come to be involved with that? We'll get to to your particular journey eventually, but how did you come to be involved in the calendar? So I joined Gilda's Club when I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2018 and uh it was such a huge support for me i remember walking in the first day and just like bawling and telling my story and it was just like oh my god and then i met all these beautiful women and i you know would do lunches and do yoga there and i just felt it was such a community and um this past year i was uh reached out by somebody to be in the calendar and i was and i knew i had wanted to be in it so i agreed and yours is a particularly intimate photo compared to some of the other ones was there any hesitation or any trepidation involved with that or was that your idea uh no i'm 
pretty open, like I shared on my social media, um, I guess last year, uh, about my story. And I shared a picture of myself. I had met some women from Calgary, the Nipple Sisters, and they shared my story on their page. And it just, it really um, opened me up. And I just, I felt like I needed to share. I felt like I needed to share with everybody. For those unaware, you had a double mastectomy. I did. So let's cycle back to to the diagnosis. What emotions did that bring in you at that point? I can only imagine. So we'll get that story from you and talk about what happened uh, beyond that. Okay, so um, February 23rd, 2018, I was diagnosed with um, stage 2 invasive lobular carcinoma. And... um, so they got me in. I was many, many treatments, um, you know, CAT scans, um, MRIs, whatnot. And I had saw, seen my oncologist and they were just going to take my one breast. And I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that because it would have taken, it could have been up to two years to get another breast put in. And I just knew that I didn't want that. Uh, So I went and saw a friend uh, who had a double mastectomy uh, who was older than me, and she was quite pleased with what she had done. So I had made the decision. It was really, really hard, lots of tears. Um, And so I went back to my oncologist, and I was, uh, yes, and I was like, do it. I want them both. A lot of people reach out at a time like that. They've got words of encouragement. They've got words of advice. They want to be helpful. Let's talk about the things that, that, people offered or said that maybe they shouldn't have just for somebody else who's going through it and and people who want to help what should they be doing what should they be offering and vice versa well I did have one comment uh that was like I'm gonna cry go ahead (laughs) um that I needed breasts to feel like a woman (laughs) and I I was just like, no, I feel like a pretty badass woman. I don't need breasts to feel like a woman, you know? I They serve their purpose. I got to feed my kids, and so I'm so grateful for that. So um, I guess just be super supportive, and, I mean, ultimately it, it is our decision. So, um, yeah. People just have to be mindful and, and be careful of, of what they say and how they say it, right? Absolutely, because it— because it is, uh, it's a lot. Like we go through a lot when we're going through this. Now, the the treatment, the the, the surgery, the 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 aftermath of all of that. You uh, outwardly at this point look like you came through it very very well. You're very vibrant. You're very exuberant. But I'm sure there were days when you thought, "Well, oh, what's my life going to be like?" Yeah, it was tough. Like I, I did chemo for four months, and then I had um, the double mastectomy with lymph nodes removed and the lymph nodes actually came back positive. And so my doctor told me she had to go back in my surgeon. And I was like, no, um, I cried. I bawled because it is a lot and it hurts and it's not fun. Um, you know, you have drains hanging from you. Uh, so they went back in. And, um, so after that, it, it, it was a lot. And you're just at home. You're stuck at home. And, you know, you're used to doing so much and then you don't anymore. You know, yoga and meditation and breath helped me through everything. And then I went through radiation for a month every single day. So literally it's a job. Like going through breast cancer is a job or any kind of cancer. 
but you've come through it. What what did you do? You, again, you, you got involved with yoga. You, you did a whole lot of other things as well. Was that just to keep busy and try to take your mind off it? Or was this a conscious decision that my life is still here? I've, I've got lots more to give, lots more to do. Um, yeah. Yoga was definitely just to calm me. Um, I had practiced for many years and you know, as soon as I was diagnosed, I, I religiously turned to yoga. I, I just, it, it was calming. It was soothing. It helped ground me so I didn't feel like I was out of control. Um, yeah, and I worked with coaches after. I, you know, I saw social workers while I was going through cancer at the hospital because it's provided for us. I did everything that I had to do to grow and to become a better person. How has that changed now compared to what you were doing prior to 2018, prior to the diagnosis? What kinds of things are you doing differently? Well, I'm still doing yoga and I will always do yoga. Um, you know, exercising, really, really embracing and enjoying each each moment, each breath. My family, um, you know, sometimes we have fallings out with people and, um, and that's okay, but reconnecting is really good too. So this summer was a big reconnection for me with family. Um, sometimes we have to let people go for a while and that's okay. We have to do what's right for us and we don't have to explain to anybody. We, uh, as, as you know, we have a member of our family here at the radio station and at Barry 360 who is going through similar situation. What advice can you give us to help her? Just be there for her, um, support, love, um, encouragement, uh, and that's all. I mean, just asking how she's doing, if she needs anything. Yeah. Just be there. Just be there. Just be there. So what's what's next for you then? What, what adventures are you going on? What's next for me? Well, I have a retreat this weekend, um, and I'm going to continue growing with my yoga. I'm taking a coaching course starting in January I've signed up for. Uh, I have so many things I really want to do. I, I have a book that I, I'm working on and yeah, all kinds of other stuff. Nothing going to hold you back. No, no. And that's kind of attitude that you need to have. Absolutely. Just move forward. You got through it. Life is a, is a treasure. And, Absolutely. And, and enjoy it uh, to the best you can. Absolutely. And uh, you, you t- we talked about Gilda's Club off the top. You would highly recommend uh, somebody reaching out to them if they're in a similar situation. Absolutely. Gilda's Club seriously is such an amazing community and I am so grateful I have been a part of it. And actually, I just reached out yesterday. Well, I had spoken to Libby from there. And so I had reached out. And so I'm no longer going to be a member. I'm going to be a volunteer. Look at you. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Passing it forward. That's right. If uh, people want to reach out to you, are you uh, okay with that if they need to, to hear from somebody who's been through it? Absolutely. I'm actually, I have a friend actually right now, she's just about going into her surgery to have a lumpectomy. And so we were talking last night and talking today and I'm here to support other people. I want to give back to my community. All right. How do people get a hold of you? Um, You can go on my Instagram handle, my Facebook. And the handle is? Underscore Roz, R-O-Z Davies. And then my Facebook is Rosalind Davies. Um, or you can reach me on my email address, which is Roz, R-O-Z, Davies, one zero at gmail.com. And if people are interested in taking up yoga, 
get a hold of you the same way? Absolutely. Roz, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your story. And I'm sure it's going to be helpful to other people who find themselves in a similar situation. And best of luck to you moving forward. Thank you so much. Barry Colts split their two games last weekend. Lopsided loss followed by a lopsided win. Will Conkin is back and gets us caught up with Colts broadcaster and writer Gene Pereira. Bit of a weird weekend for them. They lost 8-0 in Kitchener. They haven't won there in a few years. And then 1-7-1 against the Oshawa Generals. Uh, Cole Bowden got a hat-trick in that one. It was uh, quite a turnaround performance uh, for the team. Gene, what did you make of the two-game set? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, quite, quite a turnaround. I mean, obviously, uh, on Friday in Kitchener, uh, it was a poor performance and, you know, Barry dropped uh, an 8 nothing decision with the Kitchener team, a place that in the last seven years we've only won once, so it's kind of been the Bermuda Triangle there, like usually London, Kitchener, and Guelph. Uh, I used to always call it the Bermuda Triangle going through there uh, in the past, but, you know, just Kitchener has just not been a, a great place to play uh, you know, Barry uh, came back Saturday, and uh, obviously Marty Williamson wasn't happy with the effort. Much better effort at home on Saturday, and uh, you know, I, I think just all around, uh, you know, there weren't the chances, the opportunities, and uh, you know, Barry ended up winning seven one on the strength of uh, a hat trick by Cole Bowden, who did his first three goals of the season, and a bit surprising. Cole had really looked really good in preseason after winning the Olympic Gretzky tournament with Canada in the summer and um, he got four goals in the preseason looked really strong and then you know just one of those situations where just kind of a little snake bitten but he burst out with a three goal effort on Saturday. Bo Aikie's been playing pretty well too uh, maybe touch on him and uh, how he got injured but it sounds like he'll be coming back. Yeah I mean obviously Bo, uh, Bo Aikie on Friday in the first period went down to block a shot and uh, he ended up having to leave the game and, uh, you know, kind of a bit of a scary scene there with him on crutches and an ice pack after the game. But uh, the good news uh, was that he ended up uh, just being a bone bruise, no uh, no broken bones, which is key. And uh, talking to Marty Williamson there, he expects the defense back at some point this weekend. But uh, I saw him after the game on Saturday night, the win, and uh, he was walking around and looked pretty good. So uh, certainly a huge break there. I mean, any kind of loss for a, a period of time of Aiki would have been a huge blow to the Colts blue line already. A bit younger back there, but Bo logs a lot of ice time, big part of their power play, and uh, uh, logs a ton of minutes back there. That would have been a, a, a huge loss had he uh, had to sit out for any kind of sustained period. Now that you've seen the team play for a few games, uh, what are some areas they need to address, or do you think it's still a bit too early to say? Um, I, I think, you know, uh, you know, at this point, you know, you've got a couple weeks under your belt, and you start to see trends, and I mean, certainly you want to see more consistency uh, night in and night out. I mean, Barry, really, uh, you know, on Kitchener, it was just a, a poor performance, and I think it picked up a bit from the week before when they blew a three-goal lead against Niagara at home. Ended up winning in uh, overtime, but, you know, again, that's a game they should have put away, and uh, it carried through to Saturday, and much better efforts. So I think consistency is one. Specialty teams another, but that, at the beginning of the year, it's always kind of working through. You usually get some different players that time, and both the Colts power play and penalty kill were near the bottom of the league, and it's kind of similar to last year when they were started out at the bottom of the league, and, you know, by January, they're both among the best units in the OHL, but Barry did break out, got a couple of power play goals 
on Saturday, and that's just a huge boost of confidence. Talking to assistant coach Dylan Smoskowitz after the game, he said, you know, it's just uh, as, as much as it's nice to get, you know, get the win, to certify that win with those power play goals in the third, it's just big for their confidence to finally be able to break through. Next on the schedule for the Colts, they host Flint uh, tonight and then on the road in Guelph on Friday and uh, Sudbury comes to town on Saturday. It's uh, another three-in-a-row set. Uh, they're getting pretty tested, eh? Yeah, I mean, you know, these three and threes are always tough, especially by the time you roll around to that third game. And, you know, that's where the depth of your lineup really comes into play. Uh, you have to roll four lines, otherwise you're going to burn out players. And, you know, the, the Colts do have some players that they can kind of move in and out of the lineup, uh, you know, with a couple of the games there. But, uh, you know, there's no doubt that uh, three games and three nights, and it really makes uh, that Thursday game on home ice uh, very important because you want to get that win, start off the, the weekend on a good uh, on a good run, and you don't want to be going into Guelph having lost a game. And that's a, it's another tough place to play, a pretty good Guelph Storm team this year. Uh, so you don't want to go in there and then kind of lose two and then have to be forced to win to salvage something in that third game at back at home against Sudbury. But there's no doubt that uh, I think Thursday night against Flint, uh, an opportunity back on home is home ice, continue what they did Saturday and just get the weekend rolling off on, on a good note. That's a wrap for now. Always good chatting Colts with you, Gene. That's great. Thanks, Will. Again, three games for the Colts this week. Tonight at home against Flint, tomorrow night in Guelph, and back home Saturday to face Sudbury. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Will for his input, to Matt Ladder for his technical touch, and to you for listening. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About on X at Barry360, on our website, barry360.com. Some of you are still able to access us via Facebook, and there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.